Welcome to Coffee with the Snows, where we talk about everything from the Bible to current events, but always flavored with high-octane caffeine and biblical thoughts. I'm your host, Art Snow, along with my co-host and beautiful wife, Sharon Snow. Hey, Sharon, how you doing today? I'm wonderful. Well, we're going to talk about a topic today. We've had a difficult time coming up with a title, right? I suggested the title would be Outside Impact. What did you suggest it might be? I said spiritual growth from unlikely places. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what we're going to talk about today is is, uh, the impact that comes from the inside is your walk with Christ, your personal walk with Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about how some outside influences by way of books have helped us along the way grow as people and grow as leaders. So let me just tell you from the outset that I read books for basically five reasons. I read a book to inform me. I read a book to inspire me. I read a book to challenge me. I read a book to feed me. And I read a book to entertain me. How about you? I think I would say those same five. I I think that's why I read. Uh, Sometimes I read, I don't know if you covered this, but sometimes I read to take myself away. Oh, that, yeah. I said entertain, but yeah. Yeah. Take me away. Remember the old Calgon commercial? Calgon, take take me me away. away. (laughs) Yeah. Agatha Christie used to take me away. Uh, See, there you go. We're getting ahead of ourselves, though. Okay, so we're going to talk to you about some books that uh, we've had fun with along the way that have taught us some things and have changed us to become better leaders. So I'm going to begin with a couple, all right? So early in my walk with God, I have found a guy named Leon Wood. Leon Wood wrote a great book called A Survey of Israel's History. And essentially, he took the history of Israel and the Old Testament and broke it down into seven sections. And I th- I'm thinking I probably was 23 when I read this book. It makes it 40 years ago. And that challenged me and charged me with an excitement for Old Testament history. So what that book did is it gave me a lot of extra biblical information, stuff I would have no idea of knowing had I not read the book. Another guy that really challenges me in that area that completes my information is a guy named Alfred Edersheim. Edersheim wrote in 1800s, 1880 or so, and he was a completed Jew, a Jewish man who found Christ. So what he did is he brings in all the Jewish things that people just don't know today, right? All the Jewish nuances that, that most Gentiles would ever have any idea about. So those two guys, over the years, have challenged me and fed me and uh, inspired me to learn more about Old Testament history. That's good. And I love Alfred Edersheim myself. I, I thoroughly enjoy uh, reading his works. <clears throat> I actually picked up a book uh, several years ago in Starbucks. We had just stopped at Starbucks for something. And as I was there at the cash register, they used to have books. Remember? They I remember those days. Starbucks. Music. Yeah, books and music. And so the, the book was called A Long Way Gone. And it was by Ishmael Bia. And it was uh, stories of a boy warrior a boy soldier um, in Sierra Leone in that war. And uh, it, it, it made me angry. Yeah. You know, it was a book that, that made me angry and it made me sad. And it 
made me pray. Uh, it, it took me to some very interesting places in my spiritual walk. But the one thing that, that I felt redeeming was redeeming about the book was that uh, we had worked with a man, a plumber baylor yeah. from Sierra Leone, and he had actually uh, helped our congregation at the time raise money for homes to help rehabilitate those boy soldiers from all the trauma and the you know just the enormous psychological damage that was done to them by having them become child soldiers and so we were able to to save money for that and collect money for that and he went to Sierra Leone and he worked in those and that young man ended up I don't know if it was in a home that we supported, but he ended up in one of those boys' homes. And so that book made the world very small for me. Yeah. Made the world very small for me. Yeah. You know, sometimes I just like reading fiction. Uh, I don't read a lot of fiction, but a number of years ago, I caught on to a really good author named Mitch Albom. Remember that? He wrote Tuesdays with the Maury, which was not a nonfiction. It was a, it was a nonfiction book, really good book. But I began following his books, and then later he wrote a book called The Five People You Meet in Heaven. Do you remember reading that book? <laughs> it was so good. I, not theologically sound. I was, it was not a theology book. It was a good book to read. It made you think about the interconnections we have in the human race, how one person, their life affects another person. You don't even have to know who they are, but they can affect your life in unseen ways. What is that, the sixth levels of separation or the six right that's right the six levels of uh, uh, separation and there's also something called the red cord a chinese proverb is that there's a red cord a scarlet cord that connects all human beings right and you yeah. begin to see that in in not only that book but then the the follow-up to that book the next five people oh the next person that's right, right the next person you meet in heaven and then that you can see that scarlet thread continuing um, on both through eternity and through life on earth. And even though it's fiction, it makes you think. That's right. Fiction does make you think. That's what I like. It takes you outside because in our world, we deal with a lot of facts. In fact, sometimes we deal with some sad things as pastors, don't we? Right. We deal with some real sad things in life. And sometimes you just need a book to take you away. Yeah, sometimes not only as pastors, but sometimes in our personal life, we deal with hard things. I uh, remember reading The Shack, oh, yes. and uh, in our in our personal lives, we had a daughter that was taken from us for twenty five days. We couldn't find we couldn't find her, couldn't get our little hands on her. And I remember reading the first four chapters of The Shack and going through a box of clean like a whole box of Kleenex, but my need to finish pushed me through those first chapters, but it, it was really hard because it, the book helped me process the pain and the trauma that I had lived when our own daughter was gone from us for a short time. And it, it made the level of gratefulness in me rise because our daughter was returned alive. You know, there, there was in the book, the shack, you know, the child dies. And 
So there was sadness there, but gratitude that that wasn't our story, that it was a part of our story, but not our full story. And it also gave me a kind of a, a interesting and fresh perspective on the personalities of God, well, yes, you know, right. the, the personalities of God, which are there in scripture, but they painted them as a, as a far more detailed picture than scripture paints them. Love and hated the book. <laughs> I can remember reading the first four chapters and being angry and throwing the book down several times. I was so angry. Um, but yeah, I'm going to cry if I move on. So let me move on. <laughs> Sometimes I read books because I love wordsmithing. I love how words fit together on a page. One of my very favorite authors for wordsmithing is Michael Eric Dyson. Now, he's written a number of great books, a lot of social conscience books. One of my favorite books by Michael Eric Dyson, actually, is not a social conscience book, but it's a book called Mercy, Mercy Me. It's the life story biography of, of Marvin Gaye. And I just chose to read an expert excerpt for you because I think it shows what kind of a wordsmith he is. So he's talking about Barry Gordy and Motown. He says... If Barry Gordy was the midwife of black musical aspiration, then Motown was the hospital. Hitsville was the delivery room. That may sound hokey, but Hitsville was the birthplace for watershed moments in the cultural imagination. The simple eloquence of Smokey Robinson's lyrics, which led Bob Dylan to dub him America's greatest living poet. The transcendental, transcendental musings of Stevie Wonder and the Emerson in Dark Shades, The Temptation's elegant masculine vulnerability, the lyrical feminine yearning of the Supremes, and Gay's deft explorations of social and sexual identity. And those are good words all put together on the same page. Right. That's, that He's very much a master. You have to give him credit where credit is due for his ability to put words together on a page. Yes. Absolutely. I oftentimes say that words are like pearls strung on a string together, right? Because uh, when a jeweler strings pearls together on a string, he has to choose them by size, weight, and color. And they all have to match perfectly as they come from the middle pearl all the way out to the edges. And that's the way words are in a, when a books are written. Correct. And the, the word says that uh, our words should be like apples of gold in settings of silver. And sometimes they're, they're more like rusty nails <laughs> on a chalkboard, you know, so we could all do well with not only our written words, but also our spoken words That's to make so sure that, right. that we string them well and uh, allow them to bless people rather than irritate well, actually, you make, a, you make a good point. I think we become better preachers, better public speakers when we're good readers, because reading increases your vocabulary. Right, right. I remember one of the churches we pastored, one of the men in the congregation used to bring a dictionary with him when you preached. And, uh, <laughs> and that, that it was kind of sad, but, but also it was great because our <laughs> vocabulary should be, we shouldn't use the same words over and over and over. We should get a word for the day or we should get something where our vocabulary is consistently increasing. It's actually a great story. 
of a man whose name I'm forgetting right now. He's a, a well-known author, though. He's such a wordsmith. The reason he's such a good wordsmith is because he stuttered as a child, and he couldn't pronounce a word. So in his mind, he always had to have three or four other words to say the same thing, convey the same meaning. So what that did is increased his vocabulary. Eventually, he overcame his stammering, but in the process, he, you know, amassed a very large vocabulary. That's awesome because there are multiple words with which to say the same thing, and some of them are more fitly chosen than yes, others. That's right. Sometimes I read books uh, because I like to uh, learn from the lives of other people. I, I like autobiographies. Uh, Spoken from the Heart is Laura Bush's autobiography. And I remember getting a, uh, a human view of life inside the White House from that, because sometimes we put our our politicians or on pedestals, just like sometimes we put pastors on pedestals. And it was interesting to me just when she talked about uh, the food in the White House isn't free. They had to buy groceries, just like every other American family. You know, they had to have a budget for their own food and their own groceries. It wasn't just there for them. And just other little things about, you know, being in that kind of the spotlight and that kind of level of uh, power and authority in the American, uh, you know, landscape. So I, I liked hearing how she processed things and sometimes hearing how other people process things, give you permission to process things in ways that maybe you're not sure you have permission to process. I just finished uh, Michelle Obama's book becoming, and uh, she talked a lot about the white house. And again, the same thing, having a personal budget for food that she had to, to, to deal with every day. Another great book that I've really enjoyed over the years, I've enjoyed Eugene Peterson as an author. The, the, he wrote The Message and many, uh, many other really good books. One book was called Subversive Spirituality. It's sort of a, a, a composite of many of his writings. But in there, he talked about the importance of leaders, particularly pastors, learning to read novels and poetry. And one of the things he said about reading poetry is poetry forces you to slow down because you can't read poetry fast. It slows you down. So I have many, many volumes of poetry in my library. And every now and then I just go grab a book of poetry and read it nice and slow and enjoy every word, how it fits together. You know what kind of poetry I like reading? What kind? The kind you write for me. <laughs> I don't think you've written me one for a while, so uh, maybe I'm due. I'll put that on my calendar. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I'm due for a poem by my lovely husband. Uh, sometimes I like to read books that uh, help me better understand world events or world dynamics. Sometimes they're history books, but oftentimes I, I like to read a book about a person in history and, and their perspective. It, it gives you a fresh perspective. And one of the books that I read like that was written by uh, Khaled Husseini, I believe his name is. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce it. It was called Kite Runner. And uh, it, a, a kite runner is uh, someone who follows a kite. There's a kite contest in this particular uh, cultural context, and the kite runner follows the kite. If anything happens to the kite, they they have to know the kite. They have to work with the kite flyer, and it's it was an, an interesting. I just I'd never heard of kite runners before, so uh, the the title caught me, and 
then I came to realize that it was kind of more about how the Taliban came into power and how communities once were united and now they were divided and people who once were friends were now enemies. And it gave me a perspective on conflict in the, in the Middle East, in that whole region of our world uh, from a, a neighborhood perspective, not from a, I don't live there, I don't understand what you're thinking perspective. And the, the abusiveness and the stress and the pressure and all those things that were put upon people, uh, it just gave me a kind of a different perspective on, on that whole process of the Taliban really coming into power and uh, really taking over areas and kind of how that worked. And it was, it was a very thought-provoking book. Well, since you brought up history, my last selection I'm going to talk about is one of my very favorite writers of history. His name is Eric Larson. And every book that Eric Larson writes, I read. Uh, one particular one is called uh, The Devil in the White City. Great book. It's set in Chicago in the 1880s, and it's Chicago's World's Fair. And the World's Fair before that was in Paris, and they built the Eiffel Tower as the centerpiece of the Paris Exposition. And so they had to find something that would out-Eiffel Eiffel. So they came up with something called the Ferris Wheel, right? A construction man named Ferris made this big wheel that turned around. So it really is the story of the first mass murder in America, a man named Holmes, who killed young women. He built a hotel, would house young women in the hotel, and he would kill them and do all sorts of horrible things to them. At the same time as building this white city, that's the World's Fair made of white marble in Chicago. Fantastic storyteller. So he beautifully weaves the two stories together, masterfully weaves the two stories together, incorporates all sorts of people like Walt Disney's father, and uh, Olmsted, who was the man who made Central Park, and he was the man in charge of making all the parks in, in the White City. So it's a fantastic book. If you like history, this is the book for you. Anything he writes, you want to read. So we've talked about some books here. There's really many, many other books we can talk about. But the main thing we want to say is the books help inform us, inspire us, challenge us, entertain us, and really make us better leaders. The last books that I want to talk about are children's books because ah, yes. Lord knows I've read my share of children's books in my life, uh, considering that was a bedtime standard, <laughs> was multiple books. Um, I can remember reading uh, Emily uh, C.S. Lewis books, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, Black Stallion series, I, all those books. Uh, the the two that I remember distinctly are uh, Fancy Nancy, because that's a vocabulary book. And Katie and I increased our vocabulary to Fancy Nancy. And then uh, the last book is uh, Something from Nothing. It's a book about a Jewish family uh, in Eastern Europe. And Grandpa makes everything. And uh, the baby blanket becomes a coat and the coat becomes a vest and the vest becomes a tie and the tie becomes a handkerchief and the handkerchief becomes a button cover because it never can be thrown out because grandpa can make something from nothing. Okay. And it's just a, it's a great, great story, uh, which Katie loved. It was one of her favorites. And I think I know it by heart. That's great. Well, Sharon, it appears the coffee cup is empty. 
that's my cue to close this episode for today. Until we meet again, keep your coffee strong and your walk with God stronger.